Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Edison and Dr. Im Dinter. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to Conspiracy. Uh, I am Josh Edison. Sitting next to me is Dr. Im Dinter. The two of us sweltering away in a completely closed and, and uh, becurtained Auckland room because because we care basically we care about giving you the best experience possible which means which means yeast the... infections and in our mm. crotches yes so so shutting things off for improved sound quality although of course that means that our video watchers now have to put up with sweat glistening on our foreheads although maybe they're into that they're into everything yeah, joshua yeah. that's what i've learned from our patreon page you'll take any filth and depravity that we will level against you Speaking of filth and depravity, tell me, Dr. Dentith, have you alienated any pop-punk icons lately? Why, yes, I have. Ooh. Jazz Coleman of Killing Joke is now my immortal enemy, all because I refuse to endorse a 9-11 conspiracy theory of his. On an interview for Marty Dudar's The 13th Floor, Josh, you've listened I've to listened this interview. I've listened to the interview. I, I don't re-listen to things or re-watch I, things I I'm involved in. I very much would But I mean, I, I just, as a general policy, I don't. You have experienced the experience I had by proxy. Tell the listeners or viewers about my interview with Jazz Coleman of Killing Joke, 80s seminal band. Yes. Yes, it's a band so about pop, seminals. There's nothing pop about them, isn't it? Anyway. No. Um... So if you go to, is it, is it 13thfloor.co.nz mm -hmm. or the 13th? 13thfloor.co.nz, you can hear this interview. Lasts about 20 minutes. It, felt, something it minutes. felt more like I'm 40 sure years, but that's another matter entirely. Um, I'd say go and check it out for yourself. I, I really don't know if I can recommend that, though. I mean, the, the long and the short of it is... Um, Marty Duda gets the two of you in a room. M gives his usual spiel that listeners of the podcast would have heard about your general sort of approach towards conspiracy theories and so on. Um, Jazz Coleman starts going on about 9-11 conspiracy theories. M gets half a sentence into suggesting that there are multiple theories to account for 9-11 and Jazz immediately goes off at him and pretty much doesn't stop the entire time. Until such time, he says he'll either punch me or walk out, and he walks out. He walks. Yes, yes. I believe his last words were, well, the only other option is violence. Yeah. I think, yes. So, um, Classy fellow, Jazz Collins. And I, I have to say, you have the patience of a saint. I, I don't know if this is just years of academia has taught you to deal with argumentation in slightly fraught circumstances. I, I mean, uh, to be perfectly blunt, I would have told him to fuck off quite early on in that, I think. Well, I mean, and then this he probably is... would have hit me, so I, th I yeah, think you're always yeah, probably... So actually, yeah. I probably, my, my patience here was rewarded mm. by a lack of physical violence. Yeah. But in part, it's because, as someone who studies conspiracy theory, and says we have to listen to people who espouse conspiracy theories to understand what it is they're claiming, how their arguments work, and what kind of evidence they're using, I like to listen to people as they present their conspiracy theories. Now, unfortunately, in this case, my listening to it also came with a barrage of personal abuse against myself, mm. including lines like, my books have been paid for by the establishment. And let me note, dear listeners and the occasional viewer, Jazz Coleman goes to Russia from every so often to do work with the Moscow Symphony Orchestra. And I believe he is picked up from the airport by a diplomatic car. 
So I ask you, who's actually working for the establishment? Is it me, the unemployed philosopher who has to gig from gig to gig, gig from gig to gig, that makes sense, versus the very, very rich 80s pop star who gets picked up, allegedly, in a diplomatic car? Mm. Who's the real establishment shell? It's not actually me. No. It's not actually me. I only found out about this after the interview had ended, otherwise I probably would have said something at the time. Yes. Anyway, um, if, if I, I found it not, not, not quite physically painful, but definitely emotionally painful to listen to, and it put me in a bad mood for several days afterwards, quite frankly. Um, but if you feel like a, a, a fairly heated... Uh, bit of debate in the conspiracy sphere. In which sphere. the 20 minutes is 19 minutes of jazz and one, of the, one minute of me of you trying, trying to get a word in. Uh, yeah, go to 13thfloor.co.nz and have a listen. Um, but anyway, anyway, let's anyway. get on with this episode. And um, what an episode we have. We have updates. We, have, we don't actually have any retractions. No retractions we have week, no. updates and retractions. We have previously on, which we forgot about last week. Well, we've we got some previously bumper crop of news mm. so and we've, we've got a rather exciting bit of content mm. which is all about being joyful whilst drowning people something like that yeah so where, 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 where should we go should we should we look back before we look forward? yes let's go back into the mist of time and find out what's been happening previously on the podcast's guide to the conspiracy Previously on the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Right, so in the interest of not making all of our episodes go wildly over time, should we just stick to the things that we were doing in the past that are kind of pertinent to what's happening now? Which is why Mm. in 2018 we talked this month about Jordan Peterson, and that's important because Jordan Peterson is going to be in this country come February of this year. Hooray. It's sold out. No, I don't doubt that. It's rather disturbing. It is a little bit, yes. But it's, I don't know, it seems that the choices for living your life, having something to live your life by these days are either um, being in Peterson or, or be Marie a Kondo. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, actually, there's a third option. I hadn't yeah. even thought about that. Maybe. And of course, back in 2017, we talked about the death of Kim Jong-nam. Now, we actually needed a follow-up to find out what happened with the mysterious Ooh. death of Kim Jong-nam so briefly. in Malaysia. And briefly, in the 12th of December last year, North Korean officials informally apologised to Vietnam for involving a Vietnamese woman in the assassination following Vietnam's demands for an official apology and a threat to sever diplomatic ties, which is basically as close as you'll get to North Korea and saying, yeah, uh, we kind of killed his brother. Mm. Uh, now... Jumping back a couple of years, twenty this this week, this time in 2015, we were talking about anti-Semitism. Not a big surprise, it tends to come up in a lot of conspiracy theories. But in 2016, this week, this this possibly very day, depending on exactly, we, we normally do it on a Thursday, so something like yeah. that. Uh, in 2016 was our episode on true crime documentaries, where we talked about serial undisclosed and, ma- undisclosed and making a murderer. And that is spookily coincidental, because we're going to be talking about more true crime today. Or so there you go. It all yes, it's, it's, it's circles, swings and roundabouts. It all comes back to murder. 
See, I was, I was going to do some kind of song in the song going round and round. But no. No, I'm just going to stick with murder. Fair enough. So there you go. That's what we, that's what we have been talking about this time in previous years. Uh, let's t- talk about what we are going to talk about this time this year. But first, a few updates. And no retractions. None. Updates. And retractions. I suppose for proper irony, we should actually ha- turn out that we do have some retractions, and then our first retraction would have to be retracting the announcement that there are no retractions. But, well, that um, would have been hilarious. It would have been, but it's not. And it was thought, not to be. We should have saved that joke for next week. Rather Maybe we than should advertise have. it now. Well, so we bad. have two updates. Two updates this week. The first update is, of course, perennial favourite of the podcast's guide to the conspiracy, MH370. There is news, or at mm. least. There's a hypothesis, and that's yes. the important part. Tell me, Josh, about acoustic gravity waves. Uh, I, I know nothing about acoustic gravity waves, to be quite honest. It's um, a new survey. Hang on, let me get the um, let me get the actual actual notes, so I'm not talking completely out of my ass. Um, so there's a mathematician uh, from Cardiff University in Wales um, thinks he has he's calculated a new impact location. So there's a theory that. Um, MH370 didn't go down where we originally thought it was. Uh, his his argument for the new impact zone is based on acoustic waves. Indeed. So the theory here is maybe you have an impact in the ocean, what you get are waves of sound, or actually more properly, energy being dispersed through the water, which can then be picked up by a variety of different scientific probes found all around the world. So if we can pinpoint the time MH370 hit the water, we can then backtrace from the waves emanating from that point to work out exactly where it hit, and also the angle of descent. So this isn't a, we've found the location of MH370, this is more with the right kind of data set we should be able to pinpoint using a mathematical model where MH370 eventually settled. Mm. Um. The, the the article that we read this in has a, a, a diagram which I hadn't seen before, um, showing that the approximate area uh, that the search has taken over of the Indian Ocean and it's uh, it's too small to hold up in front of the camera now and certainly this will be nothing to the podcast listeners but it's when you actually see the scale of uh, oceans and what have you the 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 area that they've currently searched for MH370 uh, is kind of a speck. Yeah, it's a little it's bit kind depressing, of really. It so, is kind, uh, of, kind of tiny. Well, I mean, it's probably it's it's not oceans are massive. I mean, that's that's the main thing, um, and uh, any area, no matter how big it is, is probably going to be tiny unless you spent the next hundred thousand years searching, which we just don't have time for. We don't. No. Now, now more Havana em- embassy wackiness. Are the, are the Canadians at it now? Well, so people will be aware that we've covered this several times. The variety of weird things happening in Havana around the American embassy, and now it seems the Canadian embassy, and that the Canadian embassy has basically reduced its staff down to half because of mysterious sicknesses being Mm. suffered by diplomats at the Canadian embassy in Havana. So... Previously, we've talked about how the American embassy claimed to be under sonic attack. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks ago, we talked about how that may have been crickets, or at least some of it might be explained by the sound of crickets. Now the Canadians have got in on the story. It's all rather exciting. Mm. 
Uh, are the symptoms the same? Not at all. No. So, yeah, it's... One wonders how, at what point it's just sort of one of those things like the Bermuda Triangle when any time something wacky happens there, it's like, oh, it's the curse of the Cuban embassy again or something like that. One has to assume that, yes, by this particular point in time, as soon as any member of diplomatic staff in Havana gets sick, it's been blamed on some kind of strange sonic weapon. Mm. So there we go. Those are our updates and no retraction. Uh, so I think we have no excuse, therefore, for not going straight into the content of this main episode. Indeed, with an exciting new chime. Mm. Please enjoy our new chime. So tell me, Joshua, why do you frown so much? I don't know. I just do. It's just how my face goes. Is it because you haven't been entered into the most exciting gang of all time? Well, that, that could be part of it, yes. Because um, the gang that you're thinking of, I assume, is the gang that I'm thinking of, which is... The gang that you're thinking of? Which is the gang, the Smiley Face Killers. Uh, not to be confused with Ghost Faced Killer, who's a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. This is not anything to do with Wu-Tang Clan, unfortunately. Um, although, much like the Wu-Tang Clan, it would appear the Smiley Face Killers ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> nice musical nice reference. Yes. Yeah. Um, I miss our old musical references from the top of the show. Mm. They were grand. Mm. Now, we're being a little bit flip, really, but if this theory is correct, it involves the deaths of hundreds, potentially, of innocent young men. Um, this is something... Uh, uh, an article came out about it um, in the, the early part of this year, early January, um, in, at the Daily Beast. Uh, in reference to a documentary which, at the time we're recording, will have started viewing. I believe there is to be a six-part documentary about the Smiley Face Killers on the Oxygen Network. Which I've States. never heard of before. No, um, it's a small, I don't, so I don't know if, like, if, if it'll come to Netflix. or uh, Oxygen, I believe, these days does mostly true crime stuff. So I don't know if other networks are going to be buying it. So if, if you, if you uh, hear of Smiley Face Killers, The Hunt for Justice, uh, it promises to be riveting viewing, but all we have to go on at the current time um, are a few summaries of um, the documentary and the case, which has been around for a while now, though. So there are, yes, I mean, there are other sources. It 2006, 2007, mm. doesn't it? Indeed. So um, to cut to the point... There are claims, claims made by uh, Global Death Investigations, which are a team of, of retired detectives and private investigators. Also one of the best Marvel team-ups of all time. Glo global Death Investigations. Yeah, it mm. sounds like it should be a superhero team. It should, well, in their eyes, it probably, if they're right, it pretty much is. Um, they claim that in the US there exists a ring, a network of serial killers who organise on the dark web to um, murder young men who all fit roughly the same profile uh, across a variety of Midwestern American states. Um, they've traced cases going back as far as the 1990s, um, and they, they believe that they can show between 70 and 100 murders are connected to this ring. They believe there are another 250 cases which they think could be connected, but they are unable to prove yet. Now, Josh, tell me. How are they connecting these deaths? What are the pathologies of these poor, unfortunate victims? Right. Well, they they, they seem to be they they seem to be tying together um, instances with a similar MO. In in every case, the victim is uh, an, an athletic, attractive, college-age young man. Um, 
more recently, some of uh, more of them have been gay. Apparently, although that could just be the fact that in the late nineties, gay when men were more likely to be in the closet than they are these days. So possibly it's just that uh, the, the 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 mixture of the the straight versus gay means nothing, and it's just that more guy more guys are out these days. But um, uh, the, the MO is that uh, these men will disappear, usually following a night out when they've been out drinking with friends or something, and then sometime, usually a period of weeks later, their bodies will be found in a, a nearby body of water, a, a lake or a river, something like that. Um, and the reason why this gang has been referred to as the Smiley Face Killers is that apparently one of the distinguishing features is that Smiley Face or other distinctive kinds of graffiti can be found on a nearby structure. Um, in some cases, apparently, these men have been autopsied and um, GHB, the uh, popular date rape drug, has been found in their system. Along with fentanyl. Mm -hmm. um, and th th they believe they have evidence uh, of these men uh, having possibly been sort of stalked and marked out beforehand. Um, should, should we talk about the, the Dakota James case? or? Speaking yeah, let's general... all right, let's talk about mm. exemplar cases and then talk about yeah. the people behind the investigation. So, um, so one of the things is that the official line on pretty much all of these deaths is that they were accidental drownings. They were men who uh, went out, got drunk, and decided to um, either either relieve themselves into a nearby body of water and fall in, or or, or some somehow or another drunkenly fall into a body of water and drown. Um, but some of the cases they point to uh, are a little more chilling. Now, the, the article that I read um, speaks about the, the death in 2017 of a man called Dakota James, and this, I believe, is the subject uh, of the first episode of the documentary as well. Yeah, so, so I believe it's a six-episode yeah, documentary, six and it's one victim per episode. Mm. So there are six victims they're specialising in to show the existence Which... of the smiley face killer gang and their victims. Mm. So uh, the, in the interesting thing about the Dakota James case is that while um, his eventual death would fit the, um, fit the pattern, before that, now he, he was, um, his body was found uh, in the uh, early in 2017, in December of 2016, um, he'd uh, been out drinking with friends and what have you, had a night out, um, and then a friend of his received a phone, a phone call from him sounding sort of distressed and disoriented, didn't know what he was, thought he was in trouble. Um, so the friend was able to um, trace him thanks to his phone's GPS location. I think they had a, they had a sort of app that allows them to find out uh, them to find out where each other were. Um, she eventually uh, he was so disorientated that where he said he was in Pittsburgh turned out to be somewhere completely different. But she was able to find him from his GPS um, and reckons that as she f as she caught up with him, she saw him coming out of a hotel and heading straight for a black SUV which had pulled up on the wrong side of the road right next to him. She got out of her car, called out to him, got him over, got him into her car and drove home. He was obviously, he was quite distressed, he didn't know what had gone on, he'd lost several hours, but um, didn't want to go into it any further, didn't want to be taken to hospital and uh, didn't want to talk about it again. Uh, so, you know, she, they were thinking, you know, had someone slipped him a roofie, who knows? Uh, the problem is, five weeks later, now into the um, start of 2017, he went out for another another night out drinking uh, and disappeared and was not seen again until 40 days later when his body was found in the Ohio River. Um, so, so it was that, that, that earlier detail um, has led uh, these people to believe that perhaps what we saw there was either 
um, the first attempt, which was thwarted by this um, this helpful friend. Uh, but then they went back again, suggesting that if their theories are correct, this person had been they'd spe specifically picked this one guy to target, uh, or <clears throat> that po possibly what they saw was was maybe just a dry run or a trial of some sort before they did it for real um, a few weeks later. So it. When, when you hear about a case like that, and again, this man's death so far has been ruled as an accidental drowning, but you hear the details of something like this, um, it starts to sound a lot more sinister. It does. So why smiley face? Uh, well, that's the graffiti, the graffiti, um, the graffiti aspect. So um, there are the, actually, this is where things start to get a little more shaky, I have to say. Um, that there were uh, 11 smiley face symbols spray-painted on the Roberto Clemente Bridge, which is the closest bridge to where James was found, um, and the police, the, the official version is that that's probably the bridge he fell off, which is how he got into the water. Um, it was a good distance away, but the, the, the basic theory is that the largest, the, the, the first sort of major structure that can be, that is visible from where the body was found will always contain some sorts of graffiti. Uh, the smiley face seems to be the main one, but they, they mention um, 12 other symbols and that it's, it's, it's often the smiley face in conjunction with other symbols. And sometimes the smiley face isn't there, but the other symbols are and so on. It, um, I have to say, this is this is the first instance where their case starts to look a little bit like they're reaching a bit far. Which we'll becomes, talk about um, later on in the segment, yeah. It becomes a lot less vague about um, the MO almost sort of starts to become and they're found, somewhere near where they're found is a structure that has graffiti on it, like pretty much every structure in a modern city everywhere. That, that said, though, um, in uh, more case for it actually being a murder, supposedly um, his body was not decomposed enough to have been dead in the uh, for forty days because you know you know obviously he disappeared, and his body was found forty days later. Supposedly there wasn't forty days worth of decomposition. Uh, supposedly his PayPal account had been accessed in the days after he disappeared. Um, a forensic pathologist who reviewed the photos of his autopsy saw what they claimed were ligature marks uh, around his neck, suggesting he'd been strangled beforehand. So, I mean, uh, th there is evidence for and against, and um, as we say, this is this is one of the the, the 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 exemplar cases. This is one of the ones that they think best shows their case. Uh, but if they are correct, there have been quite a few others. So what's the conspiracy angle here? Well, I mean, the conspiracy angle is that unlike the uh, the vast majority of serial killers, as far as we know, who tend to operate alone, this is uh, an organised group of serial killers. This is this is um, a network literally conspiring to get away with murder. They claim um, these detectives claim that the people organise on the dark web. They claim that they'd that actually been given a URL to follow um, to a site where they uh, were was sort of. Uh, voice chatting with someone wanting a password, uh, the person insisted that they turn on their video camera so that these detectives could be seen and they said we're not going to do that and hung up straight away. Um, but, All right, so they're claiming they've had contact with they're members claiming on this they, game. They've had, uh, or, or, or at least with some sort of intermediary or, or precursor to getting into the gang. Um, they believe that the, the, the group are uh, sophisticated in the organization they believe they operate in cells so you'll get a group of killers taking part in any one killing 
uh, and the particular individuals will change from group to group to group, so each individual crime is always done by a different group of people, making it harder to um, connect any particular person to any particular murder. All right, so tell me about the people behind this investigation. Right, well, yes. Um, Global Death Investigations, uh, which I still think is a really weird name it for is, a... It, yeah. an, well, yeah. Also, investigation is, this, is this a little bit like the World Series in the US? Well, yes, when they that, say this global, appears to be a US-related well, I, mean, I, I did actually have a quick look at their website, and they do appear to be just a, a group of private investigators. So they are, they are. You can, you can employ their services for investigation on any case. But this happens to be the pet case that I guess they work on when they're not doing taking on other ones to pay the bills. But we have um, Kevin Gannon, a retired New York City police sergeant. Uh, Anthony Duarte, a retired. Uh, NYPD policeman, Dr. Lee Gilbertson, former detective with the NYPD and a faculty member of uh, the criminal justice faculty at St. Cloud State University in Minnesota, uh, also Mike Donovan, another retired NYPD detective. And I believe at least some of them um, got into this uh, into this, this, this conspiracy theory, I guess, due to cases they'd seen earlier on in their career. Um, I... I... I don't have the. Uh, I don't think they mentioned the name of one of one particular one, but they do talk about one guy who sort of uh, investigated the death of a man who'd supposedly been found in a river, and when the, the steps he had to go through to actually get to the area where the guy was found, he sort of he had to hop fences and go around things and all sorts of stuff. And his his immediate reaction was a drunk guy couldn't have stumbled through here and fallen into this river. There has to be something dodgier going on here. Um, but um, they they're, they're kind of alone so far. They are. No, so the thing which is, makes this story so fascinating is that, of course, we're dealing with what appear to be clusters of serial killers operating in various cities across the US, engaging in quite bespoke murders of some particular kind, which this global death investigation squad claims is all part of one large-scale conspiracy by serial killers to predate upon young presumably gay men in the US. And it turns out that other people who have investigated these crimes, they're just not convinced. No. So the La Crosse Police Department in Wisconsin has released an official statement claiming that the deaths that they've investigated were indeed accidental drownings of inebriated men and that no smiley face symbols are found in connection with any of their cases. So they're denying the claim that glo Global Death makes that these crimes are in any way linked. Mm, so that's the local police. The Center for Homicide Research in Minnesota also have reviewed the theory. But more importantly, criminal profiler Pat Brown has called the theory to be ludicrous because it just doesn't fit what we know about serial killers. Mm. It looks more like a kind of fictional version of a, a serial killer conspiracy theory than it does the way that serial killers actually work in the real world. Mm. Um, and 
more than that, um, the FBI have also investigated. Now, we should say uh, this documentary is coming out right now, but um, global death investigations have been investigating um, since the early 2000s yep. and have been looking at cases before that. Now, they were they first went public um, with their beliefs in, back in 2008. They called a press conference and said they believed they had evidence. Uh, at the time, back in 2008, they had 40 cases which they believed um, fit this fit this profile. Uh, so I believe those 40 cases were what the Centre for Homicide Research investigated. Uh, the FBI also looked into those 40 cases. Um, and uh, as with the um, Centre for Homicide Research, they, they just plain disagreed. They thought that they were all accidental drownings. Um, to date, the no, obviously, you know, that, that was 11 years ago now. Um, so these guys, uh, GDI, have been... Um, Gathering more evidence, as we said at the beginning, they think they've they've can prove uh, considerably more than forty cases are involved now. Um, but uh, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say now. Don't you hate it when that happens? You start. You start, you start, you start actually, so what we should talk, we should talk was, about the graffiti. Uh, you know, I was, I was going to say something about the FBI, which was. Um, Great podcasting this. Yeah, we're going to uh, we do. Actually, we um, actually the, the, basically, that the, yeah, the, the, the FBI, the FBI ruled them accidental. Um, they saying. <clears throat> The FBI has reviewed the information about these victims provided by two retired police detectives who have dubbed these incidents the Smiley Face Murders and interviewed an individual who provided information to the detectives. To date, we have not developed any evidence to support links between these tragic deaths or any evidence substantiating the theory that these deaths are the work of a serial killer or killers. The vast majority of these instances appear to be alcohol-related drownings. The FBI will continue to work with the local police in the affected areas to provide support as requested. Now that I've read that through, I remember where I was going with that, which was that while the FBI has um, ruled those 40 deaths accidental drownings, uh, these guys have uh, looked into considerably more of these cases and have so far managed to overturn one, which is not none, but it's very little. There has been a single case, um, the 2002 death of a man called Chris Jenkins, um, that was changed to homicide uh, back in 2006, and the police departments there said, yes, we did actually get that wrong. It does look like he was murdered. Um, so that was before they went public the first time, though, and since then, um, from what I can see, they've not been able to change any minds. Yeah, they've had melting conspiracy theories, but no actual evidence to persuade authorities that there's anything to their claim of conspiracy. So, yes, the graffiti. The graffiti. Yeah, I mean... the. the when I first read the original article, this was the bit where I started going, oh, this, this is not nearly uh, as strong a case as they seem to think it is when they start talking. Like, if, if it were a very specific symbol uh, found regularly, specifically located in a specific place, then fair enough. But it's a smiley face on a structure within about 10 miles of where a victim is generally found in conjunction with a bunch of other ones and sometimes it's just other ones and not the smiley face and the smiley face is not exactly an uncommon symbol possibly only second to the the good old-fashioned cock and balls when it comes to now the cock and, ball the cock and balls that is, a, that is a theory that so would yes. get attention so we no. yeah we had this issue here that the common denominator is a fairly common piece of graffiti found everywhere. Now, of course, if you were a group of serial killers trying to keep your work on the down low, 
why not work with a piece of graffiti that's going to be easily overlooked? Mm. So I'm actually, it's not the symbol itself which worries me, it's the within 10 miles of the body being found, mm. because that's, that's a fairly large search area, which suddenly means that you will find all kinds mm. of graffiti there. Yeah, I mean, as they say, they, they try to make it, specify it to the point that it being the largest uh, structure you can see from where the body was which found. Which is the structure still... most likely to have graffiti on it. Mm, yes. Um, and uh, I, I don't know how much, whether this has been slightly overhyped, because I mean, it's, the, the main thing they seem to lean on is the similar MO, the similarities between uh, the nature of the victims and the, the nature in which they disappeared and were found dead. But um, so, so I don't know if sort of people are jumping on it because the smiley face killers is a nice name rather than the abducting college age young men and dumping them in rivers gang is does doesn't really roll off the tongue so I don't know if the the graffiti side of things has been overplayed because it 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 makes for a good soundbite but um either way that particular connection does seem just a little bit tenuous yes and of course you've got situations where you have Pathways that people are walking near bodies of water, people being in quite inebriated states, which means that some amount of accidents are actually going to occur when a person leans over a bridge or stumbles to one side and then topples, and of course being drunk then not being able to swim properly. There's a whole bunch of confounding factors here which kind of don't really point in any particular direction, and you can see why authorities are going we think actually accident is the most likely hypothesis to explain the data set we've got. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. It's th th There are certainly things shaky with it. One thing I'd be interested to see would be sort of some, some wider statistics, like in a country of what, they must be eating up to 400 million in the States these days, aren't they? In a country that big, just how many accidental drownings uh, do you expect to see in a year? Mm, yeah. Do these represent some sort of statistical blip or are they, you know, do, do they easily fit within the background noise of, of accidental deaths as you see them? Um, so, so, I mean, we don't know. Is, is this... Is this something real uh, that's happening, or is it people uh, um, getting involved in that most human of pastimes, seeing patterns where patterns don't yeah. necessarily exist? Yeah. Um, it, it's a fascinating case. I, I want to try to track down this documentary. I think we should try to find some way of, of getting, our, getting our hands upon it, because I'd very much like to watch it, um, and if we do manage to, it'd be nice to report back on exactly what the whole thing says, whether, it, uh, whether the documentary comes across as more convincing than the reading we've done, which I have to say is uh, not 100% not convincing. It's, it's like it's a good story, I think that's the thing, but, but, but a, a story isn't a theory. Which reminds me, are you aware they're relaunching Unsolved Mysteries this year? I was not aware of that. So yes, uh, it's going to be a Netflix show, I believe. And they're going to do, I think, 13 ep episodes. Each episode will focus on one particular story. I really hope they keep that music. Also, I really mm. hope they bring Robert Stack back, even though he's been dead for quite some time. Well, that would be quite a feat. It would. But with that. modern technology, Robert Stack will live. Again. Mm. So, I mean, I don't want to poo-poo the smiley face killers entirely. Uh, one, one way or another... Especially since if you do, they'll, they will kill you. They will. Because uh, one way or another, we're talking about the tragic deaths of, of innocent young men. Um, and not just innocent young men, a lot of innocent young mm. men. Yes, again, uh, not so many that they 
possibly don't just blur into the the unfortunate background noise of of, of uh, accidental deaths that you see in a populous country, but um, tra tragic nonetheless. But um, yeah, whether whether that tragedy has something uh, much more ominous be behind it or not uh, is perhaps a little more a, bit, a little bit more questionable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I guess watch this. If, if anyone uh, listening to this uh, knows of where uh, we viewers in New Zealand might be able to uh, feast our eyes upon or smiley face if you killers. are a smiley face killer mm. and want to give us the inside goss about what you've been up to, ideally without murdering us, you know how to get in contact with us. Mm. Uh, but until then, I guess that's all we can say. So I guess we better get on with the news. Yes, let's let's update you on the news. Mm. Breaking, breaking, conspiracy theories in the news. And now, the news. Yes, at the time of recording, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is not dead. And this has the QAnon community very confused. See, on the 21st of January, the Fox Network show Fox and Friends briefly displayed an image of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which featured the line 1933 to 2019, which somewhat implied that Ginsburg had just died. Uh, later on in the show, one of the hosts issued a correction saying, A technical error in the control room triggered a graphic of Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a D on it. We don't want to make it seem anything other than that was a mistake. It was an accident. Much like that accent. QAnon <laughs> believers, however, lost their shit. This was actually a coded message from someone within the conspiracy to bring down the deep state, telling the people that Trump would get to appoint yet another Supreme Court justice. Uh, or at least he should. The correction obviously meant that either the deep state were covering up Ginsburg's death, or she was technically dead uh, as she was on life support or something. Whatever the case, Ginsburg's lack of being dead is of serious concern to the QAnon community. It's quite a fascinating story, actually, the way that a very simple mistake suddenly becomes root for a conspiracy mm. theory about the deep state covering up people dying or not dying, as the case may be. Yes. Not the first time it's happened, obviously. I mean, there have been plenty of cases when uh, news agencies, news websites, and so on, obviously uh, keep a bunch, keep, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Not epitaph? What do you call it when someone does Oh, the obituary. Oh, yeah, where they publish the obituary mm. by mistake, yes, or they, they have a link which suddenly reveals all the obituaries. Yeah, they, they have the obituaries on hand, obviously, because they want copy ready to go because in the knowledge that, unfortunately, the, the human life is finite so far. Uh, so they know these silly reads are going to be dying at some stage, and your one will pop up. So it seems like that's all that happened. It's, it's not the first time. But, um, yeah, those cured. It must be getting hard on the QAnon people. I don't actually feel sorry for them, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe I should. Well, actually, we've got even more QAnon-related stories okay, because well, that brings us to QAnon and Donald Trump, frequent target of this podcast, but less so this year. Now, we did say we wouldn't do much Trump news this year, but QAnon, well, that's another matter. You might recall that there was a bit of a shutdown in the US earlier this year, and Trump was threatening to keep the government partially closed until he got funding for his beautiful wall. Then, surprisingly, he backed down and allowed the government to be reopened for three weeks. That was about the same time his associate and frequent target of discussion on this podcast, Roger Stone, was arrested as part of the ongoing Mueller investigation into possible collusion by the Trump campaign with the Russian government. QAnon? 
QAnon have been oddly silent about these events, mostly one suspects because they seem to indicate that maybe Trump isn't playing three-dimensional chess after all. The storm, it seems, may not be coming. Yeah, QAnon. 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 Might more like Q. Non. Cure not. I like that. Cure not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's. I, I think actually maybe we do need to start lumping the, the QAnon in with the Trump stuff as well as uh, uh, repetitive news that. Well, see, my problem with QAnon is that. So my, my conspiracism alt on Twitter, where I mostly follow conspiracy theory accounts, it's just back-to-back -back QAnon this, QAnon that, predictions about this, drawing the web about that, which is why it was fascinating on the day of the backdown over the government shutdown. QAnon were oddly silent, and suddenly other conspiracy theories were being talked about hmm. because they were really going, we don't know how to process this information. This is not what we expected to happen. We thought we were getting the wall. Hmm. And Trump has blinked, and Nancy Pelosi has been an alpha, according to people on the internet. Hmm. She alphaed that Donald Trump something chronic. Oh, I don't even know what those words mean. No, I don't think anyone does anymore. Uh, so let's let's move on. Let's move on <clears throat> to our last item this week. Last episode, we mentioned passing the crisis in Venezuela, where there are now two presidents who arguably both think the other justifiably are inauthentic. There's Nicolas Maduro, the chosen successor to Hugo Chavez, who was recently re-elected in an election that has all the hallmarks of vote tampering. And then, the, <clears throat> then there's Juan Guaido. And I'm going to in interrupt you here because I wrote this bit and this is incorrect. You did? Uh, you're about to say leader of the opposition, actually leader of the National Assembly. Uh, Juan didn't actually stand for pre president, the two other candidates who actually competed for the presidential role, and thus wasn't actually leader of the opposition. He is simply leader of the National Assembly. It turns out you can declare yourself president by being anyone in Venezuela at this particular point in time. Please do go on. Yes, well, however he however he managed to declare himself uh, interim president, he is currently being backed by the US. Now, Maduro thinks Guaido is simply the figurehead of a US-backed coup, and Guaido thinks he won the election. Whatever the case, it's swirling claims of conspiracy all around, and it's causing confusion and consternation for everyone who likes to think about politics. Now, I mean, th 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 there is talk, uh, I don't know if it's in the US much, certainly in Venezuela, that, that uh, the US, that Venezuela is going to be the next place the US invades. Um, Many people are saying it's going to be the next Libya. Mm. Um, so I, I saw uh, Maduro saying stuff along the lines of, you know, don't, don't, don't turn Venezuela into another Vietnam because we, you know, if you come in here, we'll give you another Vietnam. We won't, we won't go down easy. Um, and and talking about you know, uh, making comments along the lines of, you know, we don't. Uh, obviously, Venezuela has oil, so they say, you know, just like the Middle East, you're going to come in here because you want to steal our oil. And um, but we, you, we we don't have a nuclear program, so you can't pretend we have weapons of mass destruction down here. So you're gonna um, gonna claim that the the elections um, fraudulent, and you need to come down here and sort things out, and so on and so on. I haven't heard much from the US end. I mean, I know Venezuela is a, a fa is, is a favourite talking point of right wingy Republican types because of the fact that it is a somewhat of a failed state and b uh, a socialist state. So it's the one they love to point to. Say, look, see, socialism doesn't work because in Venezuela they eat rats. Do you remember that one? Yeah. The the two young women. 
neither of whom really seemed to know much about what they were talking about. The, the one to testify in front of Congress. No, about... no. I was, I was there was, it's sort of a slightly viral one last year. There was a, a oh, young Republican right. at some, like, like a, I can't remember what event it was, uh, talking to this very disinterested, hipsterish type woman. Um, they were, or maybe it was it even earlier, was it during the campaign? I didn't think it was that long ago, but it was, it was sort of a, a, a lefty type organising thing and she was, had a t-shirt that said eat the rich or something. And so this Republican young woman came up to her and say, oh, so you believe in this stuff, do you? Well, in Venezuela they eat rats. Do you want to eat rats? That's socialism. Socialism is eating rats in Venezuela. And the other one's like, ah, I can't really be bothered with this. And was just sort of you know, oh, like laughing yeah, at you going, yeah, sure, this, whatever. Yeah. But, that that, that 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 has been the tenor of discussion on Venezuela in my experience. I assume it's a little more well, nuanced than that. John Bolton has been making claims about Venezuela better not test our metal. They mm. wouldn't want to test our metal. And John Bolton is a bit of a hawk. So it's quite possible there could be conflict in Venezuela led by US forces in a future coming to you. Mm. Which would suck. Just a little bit. Well, actually, a lot. currently yeah, the no. future sucks anyway. That would just make the future even worse than predicted. Well, there we go. So um, that brings us to the end of our new section, which brings us to the end of our episode. Close but, well, I'd about to say, but there is, for those of you who are patrons, well, yes. exciting news to come because we're going to talk about how YouTube is going to suggest fewer conspiracy theory videos. The Taxpayers Union of Aotearoa New Zealand on tobacco and also the Venezuelan crisis. It's, back. it's a story to behold. And how a rugby boss here in Aotearoa New Zealand has entered politics on a purely conspiracy theory agenda. Hmm. Uh, but for that, you'll have to be one of our, our favoured patron patron types. Uh, what did we? Oh, that was that was actually during the patron content, wasn't it? Last week that we decided we were going to refer to them exclusively as patron, patrons. 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 Um, but now you know we've let you in. That's a little glimpse behind the curtain there. You too could be a patron. You too could have a really quite stupid sounding pet name that we're going to stick to no matter what because we're committed now. Um, Does that mean I can bring back my bad accent? Uh, I don't see how I could possibly stop you. We could punch me in the face. No, that's just, just like Coleman's James Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, precisely. Uh, so, any 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 thoughts to to close off this episode before we say our goodbyes? America just should stop meddling in the affairs of other countries. Basically, that's my that's my closing thought. Whether it be mm. Syria, whether it be Venezuela, the West needs to actually stop interfering in other countries because historically. This has not worked out well for anyone. No. Apart from the ultra-rich, it works out really, really well for them, which is why, of course, they'll continue to do it. Yes. I think my, my closing thought is that um, ageing punks tend to be grumpy old buggers. Yeah. Probably, probably, probably something we knew before. Because I, I like killing joke. Uh, I have no strong feelings either way. You probably have strong feelings after going through well, that in yes. interview. I'll tell you that now. Mm. So anyway, like I said at the start, if, if, if you thrive on conflict, go listen to this episode. Um, if you value your emotional stability, maybe don't. Yeah. Uh, but either way, uh, we're going to be here next week. Jazz Coleman presumably won't. I hope not. It would be actually quite would, scary if you yeah, suddenly would be a jumped bit. out from mm. behind the screen over there. Mm. That might actually set me off. Oh, and before anyone asks, we won't be putting a link to the interview in the podcast 
pod, podcast notes. No. On all the podcast notes. And if you email me saying, can I have a link to the interview, I'll just tell you to go Google it because I'm just... I'm just not just interested. Yeah, mm. I'm just not interested. Well, there we go. So uh, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Jazz Coleman. Mm. See him in hell. been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy starring josh addison and dr mrx dented which is written researched, recorded and produced by josh and m you can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its podbean or patreon campaigns and if you need to get in contact with either josh or m you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their twitter accounts mikey fluids and conspiracism Remember, Soylent Green is meeples.